Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Simplicity. So demanding and complicated. We are here in our second week, as Alan said, of our focus on simplicity because it's one of our core values. Our core values as um, Hope Gateway are inclusivity, community, inclusivity, creativity, simplicity, and transformation. And if you ever forget, they're on the wall right over there. And today we're going to talk about our other wall today, but that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, we are surrounded by who we have named ourselves to be here at Hope Gateway. So last week, Alan um, introduced us to Marie Kondo. And if you weren't already a part of the cult of Marie Kondo, um, now the Ewing Merrill family has been indoctrinated into that cult because... um, Rachel and Catherine were on vacation this week, and we spent time watching five different Netflix episodes of um, Marie Kondo, and then came home, um, several of us, and redid our drawers, um, which is amazingly freeing, actually. Um, And simplifying um, creates space and freedom, which is a gift. So that's um, one of the places that my mind has been on simplicity this week. Um, The other place that my heart and mind have been um, the past few days is St. Louis, because our denomination, the United Methodist Church, is having a global gathering in St. Louis. And um, at the end of that meeting on Tuesday, there will be some decision made about the stance of the United Methodist Church as to inclusiveness of the LGBTQ community. And that will have consequences for for the whole. But, um, so my heart is there. But mostly my heart is here. Because we, in this place, have decided where we stand And we are building an inclusive, beautiful, global, inclusive community here in this place. And we are doing that today, and we will be doing that next week, and we will be doing that for as long as God is with us. So, that's not what I'm talking about today. (laughs) Now I'm going to get to the real meat of the sermon. Which is the kingdom of God, which is what we are trying to build here in this place. These are our community practices, and next week, this 
piece of um, foam board that has signatures all over it will be blank. Because for those of you who signed last year, and those of you who didn't sign last year, we are starting on equal footing. Because we commit one year at a time to be part of these practices as a community. There are also, um, those practices are on the green sheet in front of you, in your seat or under you. Um, and those practices fall into the categories of prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And then under those are more specifics. But this is our way of committing to one another. We don't have traditional membership at Hope Gateway. You don't join and become a member forever. Um, but you commit to walk with us as a community for one year at a time. And so next week we're going to have an opportunity to do that. And we're going to come back to the sheet. But I just um, like you to just take a minute, if you haven't already, as I've been talking, to just look through um, what it says on the sheet. We are Hope Gateway Community Practices. So hold that thought. We're going to come back to those in a little bit. So today I would like to look at the value of simplicity through the lens of the Jubilee. Jubilee is a biblical concept that goes throughout, is found many times in the Bible. But you probably know that word with a more shallow meaning. So what, what do you think of when you hear the word jubilee? Happy. Happy. Festival. Festival. A party. A party. A celebration. We heard of what's that? Letting go. Letting go. Have you heard of the Jubilee year? 2000 was the year of Jubilee, and there was a whole campaign, a global campaign to erase debt for countries that owed the World Bank millions of dollars, and there was a campaign, billions of dollars, <laughs> trillions of dollars. Um, and the campaign was to, to say, people are never going to be able to get out of this debt. So... And the people that they owe the money to don't really need the money. So how about we just start fresh in the year 2000? Didn't exactly happen like that, but um, from what I was reading last night, it, was, it still seemed to be quite a successful organizing event that people came together all around the globe for this one issue. So that is actually a biblical concept. Jubilee is the erasing, in part, the erasing of debt so that everybody can start every 50 years on the same footing. 
and that people who are struggling to get by, they can just hold on until that jubilee year, everything will be okay. So, I'd like to read to you a little bit from Leviticus 25, which is in where the jubilee year is outlined, along with the idea of Sabbath, and with the Sabbath year, which happens every seven years. So these are words that Moses reported hearing from God on Mount Sinai. So this is the time when the people of Israel were in the wilderness. So this is the plan that God has for them as they move into a new reality, as they create their own nation, as they move from being slaves to being their own people. God says, Go talk with the Israelites and tell them when you arrive in the land I have promised to give you, that you are to make sure the land observes a Sabbath rest before me. Plant your fields, take care of your crops, of your vineyards, and harvest your crops for six years. But when the seventh year arrives, I want the entire land to have a Sabbath rest to me. Sounds pretty radical. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during the seventh year. Do not harvest whatever grows on its own from earlier plantings, and do not pick grapes from unpruned vines. The entire year is to be a year of Sabbath rest for the land. You, your slaves, your hired workers, the outsiders living among you, your domesticated and wild animals may eat whatever the land produces naturally during the Sabbath year. You are to count off seven Sabbath years, that is seven times seven years, which gives you 49 years. After the 49th year is over, sound a ram's horn across the land. In the 50th year, on the 10th day of the seventh month, sound the ram's horn through the land on the Day of Atonement. When the 50th year arrives, sanctify it and declare liberty through the land for all who live there. Dramatic, radical liberty for all. It is to be your jubilee year. Each of you is allowed to go back to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and each of you may return to your own family. The 50th year is to be your jubilee year. Do not plant, do not harvest anything that grows on its own, or pick grapes from the unpruned vines. You may eat what the land produces naturally, for it is a jubilee, a special, sacred time for you. Everyone will return to his ancestral property during the year of jubilee. If you have lost 
It continues on throughout that chapter to explain that if you have lost your home and you don't have a place to live, in the 50th year, you have a right to go back and take that home. Except if it's in the city, then it gets a little complicated. But, and if you have lost everything and sold yourself into slavery because there was no other way to survive, you're free. The Jubilee wipes the slate clean so that generations do not experience poverty. 50 years is the maximum amount of time that a bad choice or some accident or some awful thing that landed you in a bad way will influence your life. At the end of 50 years, slate clean, you're all on an even playing field again. Is the world like that? So that? It's like Monopoly. Start the game over. It's like, yeah, it's like Monopoly, right. Go, not, not the go to jail part, but end the game and then start it over again. So what it says in my um, Bible here, which I'm reading from The Voice, um, what it says about Jubilee is this. The year of Jubilee is a far-reaching idea in the ancient world. In the 50th year, land that has been sold to pay debts during the preceding 49 years returns to its original owners. Israelites who had to sell themselves into slavery to pay debts are set free. All debts are declared paid in full. The Jubilee is a regular reminder that God's covenant people, to God's covenant people, that every acre of ground, every soul, belongs to God, not to those rich enough to buy them. Actually, land cannot be sold. It can only be leased in 50-year increments. From Jubilee to Jubilee. So God's law protects the welfare of future generations by preventing the permanent transfer of land and wealth outside the control of the family. I think I came across this video of Lisa Sharon Harper, who now is a writer and speaker associated with Sojourners, who explains the Jubilee as God's governance. I'd like to have you hear what she has to say. I think the world needs to hear from God that God sees us and that God is with us and that there is a way there is a way to peace. There is. It's the path of vulnerability. It's the path of love. Yeah, be not uh, sustainable. Can't govern that way. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And in fact, God did govern this way. In Genesis, not in Genesis, in Exodus, when, when God actually established the people of Israel, God established the Sabbath, the sabbatical year, and the year of Jubilee. 
And in those times, and through those three pillars of God's governance, that's God's governance in action, what you see is you see that God actually made a way systemically through the structure that there would never be poverty in perpetuity for any family in Israel, ever. Because through the Sabbath, you actually get, you get the establishment of at least one day a week. Again, limiting, right? Like creating limitations on the darkness. At least one day a week. Even if you're a slave, one day a week you are equal before God. You are coming in to, um, into, the, into the throne room of God and you are able to worship and God wants you as much as God wants anybody else. And then in the, in the sabbatical year, everybody gets the year off. The whole year off. And they get their debts forgiven. That's huge. And slaves are set free. This is every seven years. And then, Jubilee, every seven times seven years. Not only do people get the whole year off, not only do they get their debts forgiven, hello, school loans, hello, you know, hello, mortgages, hello, housing crisis, right? Like, not only do they get their debts forgiven, but they also get their land restored to them. So if your house has gone into foreclosure in the last 49 years, and that reset button year, after the 50th year or 49th year, depending on how you, how you count, God hits the reset button in God's governance and every all the land shifts back to the original deed holder, holders because there's grace in God's governance. There's the understanding that we don't need to be perfect. We are not perfect. We will never be perfect. And in God's governance, there will never be a human being who lives under the reign of God within whom the image of God is not cultivated, respected, and protected. And that's why in God's governance, there's a, there's a governance in a way that, that declares there will be no poverty in perpetuity here ever. there will never be a human being who lives under the reign of God within whom the image of God is not cultivated, respected, and protected. The Jubilee brings an end to poverty. And it brings liberty and justice for all. Have you heard that phrase? Does our democracy always bring liberty and justice for all? But the Jubilee and the concept of Sabbath and the Sabbath year brings liberty and justice for all no matter what. And it takes away this assumption that wealth inequity is just a reality. That there will always be wealth inequity. That some people will be rich and some people will be poor and there's nothing we can do about it. God's way of governance makes it so everybody is on equal footing and of equal worth 
and equally sacred. And no matter what has happened to them, what has happened to us, we get to restart. Some people say the Old Testament is all about the God of judgment and terrible things that God says and does. This is in the Old Testament. This is in Leviticus, which is not my favorite book of the Bible. God wants justice for the people and liberty and grace. So I'd like you to take back out your community practices and just take a minute and look and see if you see any glimpses of this idea of Sabbath or Jubilee in our community practices. Anybody? Sabbath is under service. Yes. The last line. We will practice regular Sabbath as a means of renewal so that we can lovingly serve God and neighbor. Yes. Yeah, we will practice generosity, which is the spirit of Jubilee, which is saying, it's not mine to keep for myself. It's mine to share. It doesn't actually even belong to me. Right. Any other signs or connections? I know that somebody mentioned racial and gender reconciliation, and I've been thinking about that a little bit. Jonathan and I went to an all-day workshop yesterday where we learned some really visual illustrations about the wealth inequality among gender and race. And it's just a fact that particularly white men have amassed such a huge proportion of wealth in this country. I mean, like, a hundred times more than... So the, the, just the racial and gender dynamics of wealth inequality uh, maybe equity is a better word even than reconciliation, but mm -hmm. any way that we can practice that, I think, is important. I think also this idea of, what, as a nation with a history of slavery, if people could be freed, no matter how they got into slavery, every 50 years, it's not a generational experience. Any other insights people want to share? Resist evil and injustice, and we will pursue peace with justice. Definitely connected with the idea of Jubilee. We will practice a contemplative stance in order to be present to God, the world, and ourselves. To me, feels very Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Very. When we are present, I sort of say if, but when we are present <laughs> with God, the world, and ourselves, we are called to and wish to and want to and try to resist 
evil and injustice and pursue peace with just, you know, that, right. Just they're connected. And it's this contemplative stance is even just like connected to the breathing yes. with the kids. Like exactly. we can take a Sabbath in the midst of a day. And that connects us with that. Hey, did you have something? Uh, we will honor and care the gifts of the earth and its resources and practice psychological responsibility living, uh, striving for simplicity rather than excessive consumption. It just implies that. Uh, everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. That we're, you know, it's not ours. There's no ownership. That we are stewards, and that's the way we should look at everything. Yeah, exactly. Under gifts, the ecological responsibility that we are stewards of the land, yeah. not owners. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. Everybody in God's reign is cultivated in the image of God. Yeah. Charity, did you have one? Yeah. And as Marie Kondo says, if you know what you have, then you don't buy what you already have. Then you forgot you had it, which I think many of us are guilty of buying something we already own because we forgot we own it. Mike? All of that is really true. When I, when I think of justice, like, you know, the, the criminal justice reform, where if you think of, you know, certainly nonviolent crimes and certainly drug offenses, uh, we've criminalized uh, uh, people's illnesses, and, mm. right? And a Sabbath where you're free, and you look at these people, a lot of these people who were either misprosecuted or they just, they, they, they committed a, a bad decision, they made a bad decision really young, but now they're free, and they're so grateful, and it's, that's a good thing for society. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing for this world. Us going to, to sing carols to inmates who made that bad decision, but, but we show up and say, that's okay, you're loved, we don't judge. Right. Isn't that a, isn't that a refreshing But wouldn't it be great if we could also offer freedom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think about what it sounds like. Yeah, right? or a transformation, or a fresh start. Yeah, a fresh start. Yeah. Exactly. A do-over. You can, that decision isn't going to haunt you for the rest of your life. <clears throat> you have a chance. Yeah. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. <laughs> Forgiveness. Jonathan. I, I think it's significant that we're looking at this and talking about it in the context of 
our faith community and what that calls us to. Uh, even though these are issues, as has been said, that touch the whole society. And for example, there's several of the uh, presidential candidates for 2020 who are talking about reparations that mm. people who have suffered injustice in the past ought to be compensated in some fashion for that. And we're, we're asking ourselves uh, here, what, what do we commit ourselves to? Hmm. And we don't just say, oh, I'm a member of my church, over and under, that's it, and fold our hands. We know that it calls us to continual reflection. And action. And action. Yeah. Nice. Um, in line with what Tim was saying, this is more kind of in the realm of prevention than it is of reconciliation afterwards, but um, in the town of Concord, Massachusetts, anyone, any person who comes in for a first-time offense for a crime of property is immediately put into a restorative justice circle and not into the criminal justice system. So the community gathers to work with them on the impact of their crime and the resolution of that crime. Unless the person refuses, every single first-time offender goes into that circle. And that's a whole different place than starting out with the criminal justice system and trying to work out it. Yeah. It would be lovely if Portland could embrace that. Yeah. It's a beautiful sign of grace. I think Sabbath is something that we long for each of us. Like a place to breathe, a place to pause, a time to stop doing and just be. I know Alan told the story a few months ago, but when we were at my best friend's house this summer, um, she has married a Jewish man and their family has become Jewish. And so they celebrate the Sabbath and we were there for that. And the real intentionality of that was something that I, I was like so coveting. <laughs> Like they have, they were just had gotten off a plane, and but they this is what they did, and they had a simple dinner, and they didn't clean the dishes, and they sang the songs, and they prayed the prayers, and that space was dedicated to that, and not to completing the task. I think it's something that we all need, like just in and of ourselves, a time to just be. And to not have to do to prove that we're worthy of something. But I think it's just as true that we need Sabbath. We need to take Sabbath for the sake of others. We need to stop consuming and stop demanding that the world assist us sometimes. Like, I think... I'm not saying we should go back to the blue laws where nobody could work on Sunday, but the reality is that now everybody who has to make a living wage is forced to work on Sundays. And is forced to work sometimes seven days a week because of our constant need to have things available to us. We, now, we had Thanksgiving used to be a sacred day. And nobody left the house on Thanksgiving. Nothing was open on Thanksgiving. But now, people go shopping on Thanksgiving. Which means that other people, 
even like single parents who are barely making a living have to find some place for their children to go so that they can work on the day that they didn't even really want to work, but they're forced to work. That's a far cry from the concept of Jubilee. So I'm not saying, and so therefore you should do A, B, and C, and it will all be fixed. Because if we as Christians make an example, all the rest of the people will follow us. It's not the way it works in 2019. But it is something that we should be aware of. That this is the broken system in which we exist. But the beautiful thing is that we're not doing this by ourselves. We're not alone. We are doing this together as a community. We are not alone. We are connected so that when someone is rejoicing, we celebrate with them. When someone is suffering, we mourn with them. We are one community. And we take on these community practices to try to become connected with one another. Not because it's a good idea to do these things on my own. But that these are the practices that we as a community do together. That's why we join small groups. That's why we build relationships. That's why we make connections with one another. Because we are not alone. In the summer of 2015, Alan and Rachel and Catherine and our niece Lydia went to the Wild Goose Festival in North Carolina, which, is a, which was a horrid experience. But <laughs> the camping part was a horrid experience. The, the music and the speakers and all the rest was wonderful. It rained a lot and our tent got wet. But... In the midst of that wonderful, horrible experience, we met Brian Moyer Suderman, who is a singer-songwriter from Canada. And he um, sang some wonderful songs, and we bought um, a few of his albums. And in the midst of it, I learned this song called You Are Not Alone. And so in July of 2015, I sent the song that I had requested the lyrics and the chord sheets and all the music from him, I sent it to Martin and Carolyn. And I said, we should, and some other people, and I said, we should do this song at Hope Gateway. It's like so Hope Gateway. Um, so three and a half years later, I remembered that we had this song. Um, and Martin and Carolyn were going to play today. And so we're going to... Um, hear this song that reminds us that we are community together.
we are prepared to commit ourselves to life together in 2019. To remind ourselves that we are not alone and that we are on this journey towards the kingdom of God together. Because the kingdom of God is a place of mercy and love and justice. And peace. We do that by living simply and holding one another fully. It is our prayer, it is our hope, it is our commitment that we in this place can become a beloved community and that we can live out our ambition to at least see glimpses of the kingdom of God here and now. May it be so. Amen.